Welcome to Infused Church Online. Today we're in part two of our series, Bad Blood, where we're going to tackle what you do when you've tried everything to resolve the bad blood in your life. And the other person, the other party, is just unwilling to move forward. So I hope you stick around. We're so glad you're here. I don't know if all of you caught that, but uh, the son well, looked a lot like his mother. Um, anybody that kind of stirs up some, some familiarity, a little bit of uh, a blood simmering, at least a little bit of discomfort, like that's just a really uncomfortable image. Um, you know, you kind of got to grow up someday, um, got to move away from home, especially if you get married and you're Christian, the two become one. You just got to grow up, right? Um, and this happens all the time um, in relationships. You're probably familiar with this. In fact, I'm going to do something. I'm going to show you a line and then let you fill in the blank for this, okay? And, and I'm going to say it, and you got to say it with a little bit of anger, okay? Here we go. You sound like your... Okay, I heard a lot of mothers up here. Any fathers? <laughs> okay, a couple. All right, all right, that's fine. That's cool. Um, yeah, in our household at least, in, in um, our household, this is, this is not a phrase you want to hear. I have never said to my wife, and she has never said to me, I am just so glad that you sound like your mom. I'm just so glad you sound like your dad. And my father-in-law is in the room, too, so that's really exciting. But, <laughs> right? but, but it's never a positive thing, is it? I mean, you never say something like that in a positive context because one way or the other, it's going to lead to some bad blood, and it's really easy to start bad blood in relationships, right? It is really easy to do, um, and, and the hope is, the goal is, at least in this series, is for you to not have bad blood, but reality is bad blood just is right around the corner. In fact, this week we did a Facebook poll. If you're on Facebook, maybe you participated, got quite a few responses. This was at least on Friday of this week. The question was, if someone eats your leftovers, is there bad blood? And half of you said, yes, it's my food. And half of you said, no, sharing is caring. So half of you are a very compassionate bunch, and half of you may have, may have some selfish tendencies. Just saying, not assuming, just saying. Bad blood is really easy to start. If somebody, like we said uh, last week when we started this series, if someone uh, uses your car and brings it back not only dirty but empty, you got some bad blood, don't you? If someone says that they're going to do something but then doesn't, might start some bad blood, especially if they do that over and over and over again. But the goal of our series, this series called Bad Blood, which we're going to do for the next or remaining three, maybe four weeks, is essentially what Paul said, the Apostle Paul, who was uh, a Jewish guy turned Jesus follower, and then he went around the whole Mediterranean rim and started a bunch of churches. And Paul said in his letter to the church in Rome at the time, the Roman Empire, you may have heard of that growing up in school in your history classes. He said to the Roman Empire, he said, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. And that is our goal. And Paul had a lot of perspective, he had a lot of experience with this because uh, when he grew up, he grew up as one of the Jewish elite, okay? He was a Pharisee, um, and so he, he was uh, sold out on team Judaism, and then he met Jesus. And so when he was, but before he met Jesus, he persecuted the Christians, so the Christians hated him, but then he became a Christian, so then the Jewish people hated him for switching sides. And so he had bad blood throughout his life, and he said, in the midst of that, in the midst of my experience with Jesus, I just want you to know that our goal is to live at peace with everyone. 
But as we all know, because we've all lived life, some longer than others, bad blood still happens. And maybe in the midst of your bad blood, you were here last week, or, or maybe you can go back on our website or on our app and you can watch last week, and you, you'd say, you know what, Taylor, I went through all the things that you talked about last week, right? I, I separated the bad blood from the person. I didn't necessarily mean that the person was bad, just that they've created bad blood. I'm not going to treat them or judge them completely entirely based on, on the bad blood they've created for me. I'm, I'm maybe even going to see things from their side. I'm maybe going to own my slice of the pie. I'm going to own maybe the, the piece of it that I helped contribute to the bad blood. Maybe you try all those things, which maybe some of you have in your relationships. But after trying so hard, doing everything to the best of your abilities at all possible, the other side of this bad blood equation still won't talk to you, still won't listen still won't attempt to reconcile the bad blood, and there is still a gap between you and them, or you and that party, or you and your boss, or you and your brother or sister, or you and your family member, whomever that is, and it is just not resolving. Do you have, by chance, a relationship that you can think of that fits that? A relationship that did not end on good terms, and it still isn't, as you would say, on good terms. I'm guessing most of us, at least in our past, have that. Maybe you're going through that right now. And my bet is, one way or the other, in your future, there will be some bad blood. But the good news, the good news for you and for me, and this is where we ended last week, is you can still have peace about a relationship without having peace in the relationship. You can have peace about that relationship, even though there's still a gap, even though there's still bad blood, even though there is not peace in the relationship. To which you all ask, how? Which is a fantastic question. I'm so glad you asked. Because where we're going to go today is how do you have that peace, even when the other side won't necessarily reconcile with it, with us? And, and actually the answer to the how do we get to this place begins where we started last week with this verse in Romans chapter 12 verse 18, the full verse that we looked at last week, if it is possible as far as it depends on you. As far as it depends on you. Now today we're going to kind of zoom out on this verse and we're going to read the verse with more verses around it, but today our conversation about how you find peace about a relationship even though there's not in it is it starts with you. Because it's really easy for us to blame the other side, isn't it? really easy for us to say and point out and see what the other party did wrong to us. But if we start with you, if we live relationships as far as like, if peace is going to be possible, it depends on me to figure it out, to bring peace into that relationship. It kind of changes the dynamic. It kind of makes it a little harder in some ways. And so the question I asked last week was, what if living at peace with everyone depended entirely on you? What if you lived your life like it was entirely dependent on you? That you, you read books to try to better the relationship. You sought counseling to try to better the relationship. You learned and you grew and maybe even you prayed or read your Bible to try to find peace. And you pursued it with a passion. And maybe you did that, you've done that, and there is still not peace. There's still frustration. 
I would argue for most of you, if you've tried to do this as far as it depends on you, the more and more you try and the less and less progress you make with that bad blood individual or that party, whomever that is for you, the more frustrated you get. You've tried, you've hoped, you've been patient, you've tried to forgive, if it is possible, but it's still not working. It's an extremely frustrating point to get at. Eventually, you may even get to the point where one day you just kind of snap internally or you snap externally and you tell your spouse, you tell your friends, I am just so frustrated. You say to them, I just don't understand, period. Why? Why is it they do what they do? Why is it they're so stubborn? Why is it they're so selfish? Why is it they say that? Why are they so uncaring? I've tried to make peace and they just won't. I tried to sit down, but they just won't. This is an easy question, but when you say this, do you, and, and you have to say this over and over again, does it really relieve any stress for you? Or does it honestly just make you more frustrated? More frustrated. I don't understand why. And you just feel like you're stuck in the why. I don't know why. And what's really interesting, I think, about this point in our relationships, this point in bad blood, is I actually think this is a really great place to be. In fact, I think this is a really great statement to say. The problem is we just don't really mean it. Don't you think? Because really what we're saying at the end of the day isn't that we actually maybe want to understand or we want to know why. What we're really saying, or this is just another way to say, I'm just so tired of it. I'm just so tired of it. Or, I'm just so hurt. I'm just so hurt by it. And eventually, eventually, my friends, and you know this, it gets to the point where you just end up saying, I'm so hurt, I want them to hurt like I hurt. I wish they could feel a little bit of the, the hurt and the pain and, the, and the, the, the struggle that I have gone through to try to bring peace to this relationship, and it is just not working, and I just... I just kind of want, there's a part of me that just wants them to hurt like I hurt. Have you ever been there? The point of what's called revenge, where peace, peace isn't even on the radar for you, is it? It's not something you think about. You just, you just want them to feel what you feel. Remember that, that, that day, or that week, or that season of your life, that month, that year? the years that have passed and you've kind of been feeling this about that relationship. Great thing about Paul is Paul gets this. Paul's not just going to leave us hanging. Paul's just not going to throw out and say, if, if you can at all possible find peace, then do it. He's going to give us some more context. He's going to give us some help. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not repay evil for evil. To which we all say, like, great Paul, but it sounds so satisfying to repay someone the hurt that they've caused us. In fact, for some of us, we feel like for some reason this is our only option. Our only option is to make them feel like we feel. To repay in a way what they've cost us. Don't repay anyone evil for evil because it leads to this thing we call revenge. 
Now, maybe you're familiar with this quote. It, it's a slightly modified quote. There's a lot of different renditions of it. But, but the, the quote essentially goes like this. It says, why is it, or excuse me, it says, revenge, revenge is like drinking poison ourselves, expecting it to kill the rat. Revenge is like drinking poison, expecting it to kill the rat. Which we all would say, well, that's just dumb. And it kind of is, because seriously, if you actually seek revenge, and maybe you've watched enough movies to learn how this actually goes and plays out, what does it change? Let's say you are successful, and you hurt them as much as they hurt you. Does the problem, like the underlying problem, really change? Have you ever heard or seen or experienced a moment between two people where one has hurt another and they sought revenge and then the other person came back and said, thank you so much for seeking revenge. Thank you for repaying evil for evil. Thank you for hurting me. I'm so grateful for it because now my eyes are open. You have hurt me in such a deep way. I understand the pain I have caused you and now we can reconcile and we can go forward with peace. Now I will experience peace. You will experience peace. It'll all be great. No. No. It's not going to change anything. What, what is really behind that? I mean, if we, you really want people to hear your hurt and your pain, that's not going to do it, is it? It's honestly kind of just selfish in a way. And I get you'd say, well, Taylor, but, but they hurt me first. And I understand that. But at the end of the day, you're just trying to be kind of a little bit more self-serving at that point. To, to do something that benefits you. And who better, after all? Who better to tell your hurt to? Because that's really what it is, isn't it? I mean, we just want to tell someone. We want someone to feel the hurt and the suffering that we have going on inside us in this bad blood situation. We just want somebody to understand it. And who better to understand it than the person who hurt us? Might as well, right? It just kind of makes sense at that point. But there are healthy ways to go about telling somebody about our hurt than hurting someone else. There's counselors in the fall when we start small groups. There's small groups you can tell your community group. Those are much healthier ways to deal with this hurt than our tendency to repay evil for evil. Paul goes on. He says, be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. And why does he say that? Because Paul's smart enough to know what you and I know, that we act differently when everybody's watching. If you had to, you could, honestly, someone, especially if you're not Christian, this is a good way to do this. You could, you could take what you're thinking as far as revenge and hurting the other person and just imagine yourself doing that up here on stage in front of everybody else. Sunday morning, what better time? Everybody's here. Just get up on stage and you, you try to hurt them as much as they've hurt you and we'll just all watch. We'll watch the reconciliation happen. But you wouldn't do that, would you? You're not going to do it in front of people. You'll do it behind people's back. Not in front of people because you just know inherently that it isn't right. What we need to do is get to the point where we're not seeking revenge. We're not seeking to repay evil for evil. We're going back to that point of frustration. We say, I don't understand why. Because in the pursuit of understanding, when you pursue understanding, it will lead you to forgiveness. If you're here 
and you ask why, then actually pursue understanding. And when you do, it may take years. Truly, it may take years. But it will lead you to forgiveness and it will lead you to peace. I've shared this story somewhat before, um, but it's a personal one, experience that I had. And um, just a little bit about me. I was uh, grew up in church, and then I became an agnostic, and then I became a Christian pastor. It's been a journey. Anyways, these days, my heart is to help people, just genuinely. It's to grow, help people to grow God's kingdom, which if you're not a Jesus follower, I know that entirely doesn't make sense, but, and I, I get that because I was there, but I'm just saying that that's, that's my goal now, and my hope is to love others just as Jesus loved the world, okay? So that, that's kind of my, that's my hope. And there was this opportunity um, a, a few years ago to grow God's kingdom, to which if that's my goal, I'm going to get behind that. And we had the opportunity, the option to engage and invite another group of Christians to be a part of that God kingdom growing opportunity. So of course we said, that's great. We just want to help people. Let's do it. Let's, you know, let's engage you in this journey and this, and this partnership. And, and for weeks, it felt like really good. Like it was exciting. It was, things were happening. But then for, for some reason, which we'll get to in a second, but for some reason, then things really turned south and things really started to fall apart. And specifically, I was personally the target of the frustration, the target of the issues, so to speak. And I was told specifically in paper and in person that I was too young. I was too young to be a part of this. I was too busy. I had too much going on. I couldn't handle it. I was told that I didn't believe the right things, that I didn't do it the right way. And I was told to just leave and walk away. This is a group of Christians, to which I'm sure most of you are thinking, I can't believe Christians would do such a thing. Usually they're always so kind and generous, right? And I tried, oh man, I tried to find peace. Tried to sit down, tried to reconcile, but it was just not possible because they just wouldn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it. And it hurt. It hurt a lot. I don't know if you've ever been kind of the brunt of, of something and it just doesn't make sense. It just kind of came out of nowhere and you're like, I don't understand. And like, you sit there and you're like, okay, well, we could make it about youth, but like most of everybody in the Bible was young because most people didn't even live past 45. I mean, most of the prophets were really young. Jesus was young. David was really young. Saul, I mean, they're just all very young individuals, but we'll make a if you want to make an issue out of it, I guess that, that's, that's up to you. There wasn't going to be peace. There wasn't going to be peace. My hope was to help. And I was instead told to leave. And so um, the difference, I think, over time was that I, I didn't stop trying to pursue understanding. One night, uh, I was working on a message series that we had about two years ago. Um, you may be familiar with it if you were with us two years ago. It was called The Tale of Three Kings. And uh, in fact, I actually checked. It's still on our website if you want to check it out. Um, we had, it was still, part of, partly we were still down in the, in the library when we had service, when um, we were still really young as a church. And, um, and so you can go on and watch it. Um, 
And so I was working through this, this series, um, and uh, it, was, it was a really uh, fun series to do. In fact, I, I think, I'm, I'm guessing maybe some of you even maybe remember the main point of that series. Um, it involved uh, a King Saul, and eventually who would become King David, but he was just David at the time because Saul was king, okay? And Saul threw something at David. Anybody remember what it was? Spears. Yeah, and the main point of the whole series was don't throw yeah, you got it. And uh, it was really funny because everybody would go around and like, you're throwing spears, you're throwing spears, you're throwing spears. Um, it was, anyways, anyways. So, um, and so I was sitting there and it was about um, that night, it was about 11 o'clock at night, I was in bed and I was just praying to God through this series, trying to understand exactly where we needed to go with it and talk about and everything. And, and, and God just kind of got a hold of my heart and said, Taylor, why did Saul throw spears again? Anybody remember? Why Saul? What was it? Yeah. He's exactly right. There's this one little verse in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Saul was afraid of David. And I tell you, that was a powerful moment for me. I understood. I felt relief. That the, this group of Christians saw my outstretched, my outstretched hand as a threat to their control. And they were afraid. Have you ever been afraid before? Have you ever felt out of control? Have you ever lashed out in a moment because you just kind of felt un out of control in that moment? I know I have. And it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make what they did right, but at least I understood. Because I've been there before. I could empathize. We weren't even to sit, able to sit across the table to hash any of this out, but I understood what the motivation was, a loss of control. However unjustified it was, however it was driven by ego and pride and very human but negative, sinful, honestly, things, it hurt. But my hurt, my friends, my hurt was replaced by peace because I understood. Didn't make it okay. But for the first time, I was able to forgive. Forgive, not forget, but forgive. And the great news for you and I is we don't have to reconcile that relationship to experience peace about that relationship. We should do everything at all possible, like Paul says, to reconcile it. But if it is not possible, you can still have peace. You can still have peace. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, Paul says. Do not take revenge. Why? Because it's never going to end in your peace. Understanding will. And then, he, and then he goes on, and some of you may like this maybe a little too much. He says, my dear friends, leave room for God's wrath. To which some of you are like, yes, now we're talking. I need a little smiting in this relationship. They can be smited. They could be smited. It would make this all a lot easier, God, if you could just bring some wrath in here, because then they're going to understand. They're going to understand. Bring some wrath. But I love this. Think about this. Paul's saying, you need to leave room for God's wrath. What does that mean? How, 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 what are you saying, Paul? He's like, he's saying, you need to go into that room that's filled with bad blood and anger and resentment, and you need to move that aside, move it out of the room, and you got to make space for God to come in with truth and justice 
and take care of it. You need to replace that space with faith. Faith. And I realize if you're not a Jesus follower, this could be a little hard to understand. But at least if, if, you're, if, you're, if you believe in God, you need to give faith. Replace that hurt, maybe that lingering hurt that kind of comes up once in a while. Maybe you even understand. Because I tell you, I still understand. But once in a while, that anger starts to come up again. And I just say, you know what, God? I'm going to make room. I'm going to leave room for you to fill that space and take care of it as you wish to take care of it. For it is written, Paul says, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, I want to be clear because some of you think, well, that's just mean God coming out. And some of you left the church because all you heard about was mean God. This is not mean God. This is a good, good father. Think about this. If it were your child and your child was hurt by somebody else, isn't there a part of you that's just kind of like, all right, dad's getting involved, you know? Or mom's getting involved. I'm going to go over there and talk to their parents. I'm going to talk to their kid because that was mean. You hurt my kid. That is a reflection of me. And God's saying the exact same thing. You hurt my kid. You hurt my son or daughter. I will repay that. I will repay that. And guess what? God can bring a degree of truth and light to that relationship that you will never through any amount of hurt or truth that you try to bring into it. Because God can show that, that other person, that party, whatever, he can show the truth of it in a way that we just can't. He can bring, he can say, the, the consequences of your uh, bad blood has hurt this relationship, this relationship, this relationship has hurt this, this, and this. And it will be profound and it will be overwhelming. You cannot do that. There is no point in you going through life hurt. Leave room for God to do that. I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. Um, if you want to get on my bad side, you hurt my daughter. That will get me upset. Nobody's done that yet, but we got close the other day. I'll just... just Total transparency. Here's how I feel, okay? Elia loves, my daughter, Elia, she's 17 months old, loves to hug people, okay, when she gets comfortable. She especially loves to hug small children, okay? I don't know why. It's super adorable. I love it. It, like, warms my heart every time I see it, okay? And so we were at this thing, and there was little kids running around, and so she would run around, and she'd try to hug them, and I'm like, oh, you know? And then one girl, she saw Elia coming for her, and she turned and ran. And I'm like, you know what, little girl? You get back there and let my daughter hug you. <laughs> and like, daddy bear started to come up, and I'm like, it's just a hug. But I'm like, don't teach her this early in her life how rude the world is, how the world will turn away from your hugs. You just want to hug the world, and they walk away. Okay, I'm calming down. Anyways, <clears throat> okay, replace your anger with faith that God will trust, will take care of it. I'm good because I trust God. And then this is so great. I love this little transition Paul says. On the contrary, in other words, what he's saying is, while dad's out, while your heavenly father's out taking care of that, having a nice long talk with the bully, okay, here's what you need to do, son or daughter of God. Here's what you need to do. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. What? If your if he, your enemy, is thirsty, give him or her something to drink. What? Yeah, Jesus followers. Trust your Father in heaven is going to take care of it. And then go and love your enemy. Just because, they're, just because they're your enemy, just because they've harmed you, is not permission 
to mistreat them. Why do we do that? Why is it that we think, oh, you hurt me, so now I can hurt you back? It's just permission. Why is it then, if they devalue you, if they hurt you, then you can do that back? Where did that come from? Where did that mentality come from? It's not permission. Because you will never find peace if that's the avenue you go about. Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. Don't hurt people if peace is your goal. In doing this, in feeding them and giving them something to drink, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his or her head, to which you're like, yes, it's back. God's wrath, a little burning coals. I'm liking how this is going. No, this is a sign of redemption. This is a sign of reconciliation. 2,000 years ago, if somebody wanted to symbolize that they were walking the walk of redemption, of repentance, what does repentance mean? And you may have grown up in church and the fire brimstone and the pastors are there, repent, repent, repent. What does repent mean? Very simply, it means changing paths. You're on one path, change to another. Not as scary that way, is it? New path. In doing so, this, you'll put burning coals. Essentially, that that person is symbolizing by putting coals and ash and soot on them that they are beginning a new path, a new direction. God's saying, if you want to reconcile, Paul's saying, if you want to reconcile with someone, your enemy, love them. And it will be like a door opening to them, a light opening to them that they have the opportunity. They may not, but that they could walk through. And it will bring repentance. Instead of revenge, we seek goodness. We don't go hurt for hurt. We try to reconcile, if at all possible. In Romans chapter 2, right at the beginning of this whole book, this letter that he wrote to the church in Rome, he said that God's kindness is intended to lead you to a new path. God's kind to you with the intent of you walking a new path. Maybe we need to do that as well. Here's the bottom line. If you pursue understanding, it will lead you to peace and forgiveness. If you pursue understanding, it will lead you to peace and forgiveness. Because when you understand, when you get their motive, when you get their story, when you get their side, peace and goodness and light and love and all that awesome stuff will just come naturally. Doesn't require the other party. Just avoid revenge. You just have to stop at that point. Time out. I don't understand. Why are they doing this? Seek to understand. Don't walk past. Reminds me a lot of Jesus. Because if you remember, for those of you who grew up in church, from the cross, Jesus looked down at the people who were crucifying him. In pain, in hurting, after he was betrayed by his closest followers, I think some real good reasons, like if you're on a cross, unfairly, unjustly, that's some good reason to have some bad blood against people. Jesus, at a point in time when he has all the reason to have bad blood with people, here's what he says to the people killing him. Father, my father, I'm leaving room for God. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Father, I understand that they don't know what they're doing. It doesn't make it right, but I understand. And I just ask that you forgive them. Could you say you'd do the same 
in the midst of your execution. But if you follow Jesus, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. In just a moment, we're going to wrap up in prayer. And one of the things we're going to do, which is maybe something that, that you've never done, or maybe you just did once after the bad blood was created, but, but I'm going to invite you to pray for that person, those people. To pray for that bad blood, to make room for your Father to forgive them. And my hope is, through that pursuit, you will find understanding. If you're a Jesus follower, that same sentence that I said, you just kind of have to look at it a little differently. If you pursue Jesus, it will lead you to peace and forgiveness. Why? Because that's exactly what Jesus was here to do. To bring peace and forgiveness to the world. So if you follow him, if you pursue Jesus' kind of love, God through Jesus' kind of love, it will eventually lead. I promise you, and it's so hard. I, I get it. If you're in the middle of bad blood right now, it is so hard to see and persevere through that to say, in the midst of that, I will, I will per persevere and I will pursue it. And I will follow Jesus. But I promise you, if you have never done that before, it is a great first step and it will get you to where you want to go. Because when you see the world as God sees the world, broken, but worthy of love, it will change everything. Now, if you're still struggling with this, I just got a real quick question for you because I understand some of you may still be a little hesitant. I just want to make sure you've asked this question of yourself. Have you forgiven yourself? Because sometimes we get caught up accepting God's love or other, other people's loves or forgiveness because we just haven't forgotten what we've done or forgiven what we've done of ourselves. And we're still struggling with that, still holding on to that. I think this was for me in my story. That was a part of it for me. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I just hope that you would ask this of yourself in case this is a barrier holding you back from peace and bad blood. Maybe you have some bad blood against yourself that you haven't been able to let go of. But if you pursue internal understanding of yourself, some incredible things can happen. Have you, have you accepted God's forgiveness? It is difficult to share something you haven't first accepted. Isn't that the truth? If you haven't first experienced it, it's really difficult. It's really difficult to tell someone how to drive a car if you haven't driven a car before. Have you accepted God's forgiveness? Let me tell you something about your heavenly father. And you don't have to agree with me. I'm just going to put it out there something for you to think about. He's ready to forgive. For God so loved the world, he came. Word made flesh. He wanted to dwell among us. Why? Not so he could condemn the world, so he could make you feel bad, so he could get revenge on the world for the hurt that they have caused him and one another, but because he wanted to forgive it. That's why Jesus came and asks on your and my behalf for forgiveness. Forgive them, Father. The world does not know what they do. This is how it is possible without the other party to have peace about the relationship. My friends, you can have peace about 
the relationship between you and God and between those in your life that you have bad blood with. But the decision is up to you. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to invite all of us this morning to in our minds and our hearts as all of our eyes are closed and heads bowed that, that we would just think about that relationship that's more defined by bad blood than anything else in our past, in our present. Maybe even name those people. And we would just pray very simply that Lord that you would love them you would forgive them, that you would bring peace to this relationship. Lord, that you would help us to understand the bad blood, where it comes from, why it's happening, so that we too could have understanding. And we too, through looking at the world how you look at the world, looking at the world how Jesus lived in the world, treated us, died for us, that we could find forgiveness as well. Lord, that we pray for those who have hurt us sometimes so deeply and bring forgiveness and peace to those relationships. Lord, may this prayer not be something we do just now, but we would do daily in the pursuit of understanding peace and your love. Lord, give us the people and the moments and the love that we need to live that out every single day. In your name I pray, amen. I'm personally grateful that our Heavenly Father has made it possible for us to understand, to find peace and forgiveness. My encouragement and my hope for you is that you passionately pursue that understanding through prayer, reading, counseling, and getting involved in your local church, wherever that is, and I promise you peace will come. Thanks so much for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you for part three.